welcome to Is It Philosophy? Here we are the seekers of truth. We are the askers of the questions. We are the answerers of those questions? Maybe, I don't know. Each episode, myself and a guest or two will start with a question. Then we will set out on a journey to find an answer. In the end, it's up to you to determine, is it philosophy? Hey everyone, we are back for another episode. Today I have Eric Hunt with us, and we are going to talk about, is the golden rule flawed? So Eric, I want to give you, like I try to do with everybody, the chance to to jump on this first and give me your take on it. Sure. Um, I think, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I, I think it's easy to say yes. Uh, that's the easy answer. I think I disagree with it. I, I've been going back and forth on it, but um, no, I don't think it is flawed. I think I think the language around it is flawed, and I think the uh, how do I say this? I I don't think the uh, the essence of it is flawed. I think it's just communicated improperly. So for for everybody out there listening, and and so that you and I are on the same page when we're sure. talking the golden rule, we're talking. I'm assuming the the Christian Catholic golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, correct? Sure. Um, or even it, it predates that with the uh, the Hebrew version, which is uh, do, uh, oh, forgive me, whatever you find despicable, I think is the word they use, don't do to others. It, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually looked up in anticipation for this. A, a list of the different, it's it's called the primary teachings of, of every religion. Oh, wow. But I, I looked it up because I was kind of curious. Do other, do other religions, do other teachings have a similar take on this? I and believe they all do. They, they do. I was rather surprised. And you're right. The, the Judaism one is, at least what I found, is what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Sure. And then there's uh, the seeked one. I am a stranger to no one, and no one is a stranger to me. Indeed, I am friend to all. I kind of like that one personally. I like that. And, and Islam has one. No one of you truly believes until you wish for others what you wish for yourself. I like, I've like. i just recently discovered Zoroastrianism. I think I'm pronouncing that right. If I'm not, correct me. Somebody out there, I'm terrible with, with pronunciations. But it's supposedly one of the oldest religions in existence. Okay. And it says, do not do unto others whatever is injurious to yourself. And there's a, a bunch of other ones. But, and, and that kind of got me, like you said, thinking about this concept. And it has been around for forever. It is almost like ingrained into every belief system that there is. And that leads me to believe that it, it is ingrained and that we didn't need... A religion to guide us in that direction. I think it's uh, inherent to all of us to just be empathetic. I think empathy is natural. I, I really believe that. I have to agree, but I have to disagree. I, I, I think I think empathy is is a natural course of action for humankind. However, I don't know that with the the idea of this golden rule or or any of them. That it it's something that if you follow it the way it, it it's written, maybe not its meaning, but if you follow it the way it's written, it can lead to some major problems for us. Uh, certainly it can. 
And that's what I meant uh, off the top when I said I think the the flaw is in the language. I think we understand the uh, golden rule. I th- I think it's we're we're born to know uh, empathy and compassion, and I think religion kind of corrupts that knowledge. So that's where I was I was kind of questioning and and hesitant on. Is it really leaning us towards empathy and compassion? I hear it more as leading us towards selfishness, maybe for for lack of a better term, towards self-gratification. Oh, definitely. Because all of them are are based around this concept of of you, whatever you like, whatever you don't like, whatever is hurtful for you. And that's that's very subjective. Yeah, absolutely it is. You're right. It it you have to impose your uh your ethics on on a person and decide what you feel is right for them. That's a that's a huge supposition I have to make. I don't know if it if we interpret it that way. Do we? I'm not sure if we're all that like uh, falsely uh, altruistic. I, I know I used to teach a family violence class, and one of the things I, I noticed in there was a lot of people took that idea, and maybe it was just the guys that came through my class, but they took that idea and and used it sort of as as a pseudo justification for their behavior because it, it became a well. I don't mind it if this happens or I don't, I'm okay if, if somebody does this to me. So that's why I did it to them. I always took it to the absurdium with the guys in class. I'm like, well, you know, if, if I followed the golden rule to the letter, I would be in jail for sexual harassment on a regular basis. (laughs) No doubt. I I know me and the guys that always like, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. But it's sort of that idea where we can take it and, and use this idea to, base our empathy on it or to use it to justify our, our behavior, our violence, our aggression, our, our need to control the people around us. I think that's the, uh, the flaw in any teaching we could do that with, basically. Uh, especially religious teachings, uh, for the most part, can be misinterpreted in several different ways and, and used to, to uh, satisfy whatever desire you have at the moment. Um, I don't know if it's um, necessarily a flaw in the teaching. It's, I think it's a flaw in the student. So what you're saying is, is we are flawed in our interpretation of it. Exactly. That's, and I think a lot is lost in translation. A lot is lost in uh, sermonism, if that's a word. It is now. <laughs> sure. The way it's conveyed to us, I think, therein is the corruption of it is in the teacher, not the uh, lesson itself. Well, then I, I got to go back, and I know I'm kind of being a, a pain on this one, but I, I then got to go back to it, it inherently having a flaw because it has to be flawed then if it's so easily corrupted. If the person interpreting or the person teaching or the person who, who passes it on to you can easily manipulate it and change it and make it suit their own agenda, then... It inherently, in my mind anyway, has to be a, a flawed idea. I think it's more of a two-way street than that, because I think the uh, the person, the subject that you're subjecting the golden rule to is trying to please you in this at the same time by giving you the gratification of, of accepting your kindness. So it, it becomes the two of you trying to reach a, a common bond over this concept that's that's foreign to us in a way. So does that make sense? No, it, it does. Yeah. So we both want the best outcome of this scenario, but neither of us are 
we're, we're both thinking of ourselves as we as we try to do that, I guess. Yeah. Well, and and there's a a psychologist. Oh, I can't. I the Marshall Marshall Rosenberg. There's the name who who wrote a book called Nonviolent Communication. And within there, he has this idea of when you ask somebody for something, you're actually giving them a gift. So you're you're asking this person, hey, I, I'm reaching out to you for help. And to me, that kind of falls in line with what you're saying, where we're, we're giving somebody this gift of kindness, but they have to, to receive it. They have to be willing to accept it and hold it and see it for what it is, right? The, the kindness that's within it. Exactly right. So therein, I guess, I don't know that... My original stance makes sense in that point, man. <laughs> I think you might have brought me right around full circle. <laughs> yeah, in order, uh, no, again, I, I, geez, you got me. <laughs> That's why I love these kind of conversations because there is no answer. The answer is is how you interpret it, how you see it the way that it's presented to you at that moment, right? And that that's the beauty of it. I guess so. But then I guess the, the the ultimate answer would be that the golden rule isn't one. There there isn't one proper sense of the golden rule that applies in all situations because it is so widely open to interpretation that it's got it has to be applied as you say under the circumstances. See, and and I like that. I I never I didn't think about it in that circumstance or in that way. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it has to be then this open-ended thing this this thing that has no definitive answer so it's not a rule as much as a concept of encapsulating a a sort of set of rules that leaves me to an idea how would we could we rewrite that concept and that idea to be more all-encompassing to be more to be better defining what it is trying to encapsulate I think we could, but it would be a monumental task because we'd have to go back and rewrite it in a way that all the religions you set off the top could interpret it in the same manner. And that's obviously impossible. Or we would have done it with, with all sorts of scriptures and saved us a lifetime of headaches. Yeah, but I, and this is something that I have thought about for a long, long time. So this isn't something coming off the top of my head. I actually had a a theory that it could be rewritten in a in a fairly simple sentence to encompass all of the stuff we're talking about. And and the way that I used to rewrite it is do unto others as they would have done unto them. That again leaves you wide open to uh, your you have to presume a lot about the person that the the, the person you're applying it to. That automatically presumes that you know what they would do unto themselves. I think we can have a universal set of of things that most people wouldn't want done to them, right? Most people don't want to be mortally harmed. Sure. Most people don't want to be sexually taken advantage of, right? Most people don't. So I, I think there's a set of rules we can put in place so that we can go like, well, the average healthy individual isn't going to want this done to them. So even though I might enjoy it, I might enjoy it if every woman that I walk up to comes up and, and grabs me and, and hey, that's a handshake that it's not your hand, right? I'd so be okay with that. Do we negate the the feelings of the minority of people who who don't want the same thing? Do we not have a rule that applies to them then? It's just they're they're outcast from the from the whole concept. I don't know. 
That's a good point. Because they were, as you say, the, most people wouldn't want to be mortally harmed. Maybe someone does. Therefore, this rule that's supposed to be now universal is alienating a certain segment of the population uh, just by uh, design. It, yeah. Well, and I think, and this is actually, oddly enough, a, a conversation that my wife and I were having last night. I think no matter what we do, no matter how much we try to be all-encompassing, all-accepting, we try to get rules and laws in place that are going to be good for everybody, there's always going to be the outlier. There's always going to be the outcast. There's always going to be the person who falls outside of the norm. And therefore, it is impossible to create a, a law or a rule or an idea or a concept or anything that is universally applied and can fit everybody. I couldn't agree more. And I think you'd find, even if you could find that in an ultimate utopian scenario, someone would still, just to buck the system, put themselves outside of the uh, norm just to be that guy. Oh, yeah. Wholeheartedly. It, we were actually, there, it came up because I don't remember exactly the beginning of the conversation, but we were talking about white privilege. And I'm going to go ahead and, and throw this out there, y'all. I've got very definitive ideas on this. I'm more than willing to talk to them with you if you want. Hook, hit me up. I love these conversations. I by no means am wanting to exclude anybody, but we had a very in-depth conversation on this, on how she was wholeheartedly believes that that white privilege is a, a thing. And therefore, and going back to the, the golden rule, it, it's something that can't be applied across the board because I'm going to see the world through a very different set of lenses than somebody in a minority group who has dealt with different experiences growing up. So their version of this rule is going to be totally different, completely different than mine. I have a very strong personal opinion about the topic myself, because I am no, I'm in no way privileged. I don't fall into that class. I never have. And I, it's, I find it actually, it's a simplified way of condemning an entire group of people. And it's, it's antiquated now. Anyway, I don't think it applies uh, in the way that people would like it to. It's too simple and it, it's too generalizing. And I, I know that offends a lot of people. I've, I've had the fight on the internet many times because I just refuse to back down on it. I know a large percentage of people that fall under that classification. We're, we, we weren't privileged. Um, there's nothing about my life that's privileged. I live in a neighborhood that's been compared to the ghettos of Johannesburg by people from Johannesburg. And it's been that way uh, for 41 years. I've never had an upper hand because of my skin color. And you can so, say... And, and Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say you can you can argue. Uh, well, my family were never slaves, but yeah, we kind of were. Is when the Scottish came to Canada, we were the outcasts. We were the ones who couldn't get jobs. We were we were in no way privileged, and that's Canada's not that old. You know, we're we're going 150 years. That's a blink of an eye in the grand scheme of things. When we were in that position, and somehow that's been forgotten. And I, I don't know if it's Canada specific. But I don't believe white privilege is a thing in our country. I really don't. So, and, and that was my stance on it too last night when we were talking. She brought up some very interesting points. It's not so much what you have and what you're given as much as it is the way that society has treated you or has treated you, right? So for instance, her example was if, if I'm driving down the road and a cop pulls me over, 
I don't have to worry about if that cop is going to pull me out of the car for no reason whatsoever and, and rough me up and, and do things to me that may be right on the edge of legal. Sure. Whereas somebody else, Hispanic, black, whatever, may have to have that fear, may be concerned about that. So in, in that instance, and, and this goes for women too, right? Women are, are always on guard. And this is where that golden rule to me plays into this too, because women are always on guard for what is somebody going to do to me? What is this guy's intention when he buys me this drink? What is this guy's intention when he opens this door? Does sure. he want more for me than just to be polite and, and hold the door or buy me this drink? I don't know how any single one of them makes it through adolescence with their sanity intact because it, you have to be that guarded. And the unfortunate thing is for, for women, they have to. That's just a reality, much more so than I think. I, I think the police example is geographical and I think it's time sensitive. It's going to go away. And I, I'm on the West Coast of Canada. My neighborhood is 87% Asian. Uh, 50% of Canada, the living population, was not born here. So white privilege is, even if it is something that exists for the time being, it's disappearing rapidly. Uh, we're going to very quickly be a minority in this country. And that's I'm, I'm not passing judgment on that. I, I don't know whether it's good or bad for us. I, I don't really think it's, it's uh, either. I don't think it's something that's going to exist for very long, if it does at all. And uh, but uh, your female example, they that's a reality forever. It doesn't matter your your skin color, your uh, economic situation. Men are predators. <laughs> it's it's a horrible thing to have to admit, but it's just true. So then I'm going to take us back then to what we said, or what I think it was you who said it. Empathy is, is then not something that's inherent in us if we look at it through that lens. Fair enough. Possibly not. But I think it is because I, I think in the animal kingdom, we don't we're not predisposed to hurting unnecessarily. I don't you don't see animals hurt each other uh, unnecessarily. They do it for food. They do it for protection. They don't just go out of their way to to hurt each other. I don't know if that's necessarily empathy so much as just societal harmony, I guess. Well, I, I think there's a, a level of empathy to that. And I, and you're right. I, most animals you'll see during a, a clash they aren't out to, to kill each other. A cobra could bite the other cobra and end the battle right there, but they instead they curl up in a ball and, and they fight that way without biting. I think that's something that we're born with. I, I find that with a lot of especially Christian teachings. I don't think we needed the Ten Commandments to tell us those ten things were bad. I think we already knew that. I find that with most of the Christian Bible, that a lot of it's what it's teaching, I think we could have done without. I, I take a lot of issue with it because I think in those Ten Commandments, uh, don't bugger little boys is implied somewhere. Probably. You know? uh, yeah. So uh, I don't, when, we, when you apply it in that Christian sense, I have a, a huge, I take a, a large issue with the, with the teaching coming from the teachers who turn a blind eye to something that violates the very teaching they're trying to impose on us so blatantly. Well, and, and I was shocked. It was earlier this year, maybe last year. Most of the people that listen to this know that, that I, I follow a, a Buddhist path. And for years, I would tell my wife that it's, it's the perfect faith. It's the perfect religion. It's the perfect philosophy to follow because there has never been a case of any type of sexual misconduct 
linked to a Buddhist monastery or a Buddhist priest. And lo and behold, it was this year, last year, it came out that that it's actually happened. And yeah, there's been a case of, of a, I forget where it was, somewhere over Sri Lanka or somewhere, I forget where. But it, it came out that there was a, a Buddhist monk who was sexually abusing uh, nuns in the monastery. That's unfortunate. That shocked the crap out of me. I've got to admit, because I, I wholeheartedly held to the fact that if we followed the Buddhist principles in life and took the golden rule and and transposed it into a more Buddhist philosophy, it would be a perfect rule. It would there would be nothing that could deny it as being perfect. Does it not contradict the golden rule in in the sense that the golden rule implies a certain level of desire do unto others as you would have them do unto you but aren't you supposed to transcend that that what well, you don't you're beyond what you want others to do to you yes and no i see where you're going with that and and i i i think so but at the same time it, there's also the idea of understanding that you're always going to until you you reach enlightenment there're always going to be be desire there's always going to be ego there's always going to be suffering there's always going to be all of these things that that cause us to desire something, desire more. Sure. And, and but that's kind of where my my thought process went. Whereas if if we can take this golden rule and flip it on its head and and make it more in line with how it affects other people, and maybe my example for that wasn't the best, but if we can take this idea, this rule, and flip it so that it is imposing the will that others have for themselves, the view that others have of themselves, and that's the path we follow. Now we have almost the the perfect end-all, be-all guidepost, so to speak. We do, but it's becoming increasingly difficult because we're now in such a... It's so easy to be anonymous and so difficult to really get to know each other in, in a sense that would make that possible. It would be a huge task to try and get to know someone that intimately in the brief periods we interact with each other nowadays. By concept, it's it's perfect. It really is. But I don't know if it's ever possible because I'm not. I'm know. even in the in in this conversation. I'm being as me as I can be, but I'm not really being myself in sure. in any way that uh, that you could. If you were in the situation now to have to apply that, I don't think you could adequately. And I think. This is about as intimate as we tend to get with each other now. And it's we're moving in a direction where we really a contact is going to be completely virtual in 50 years. That would really separate us from being able to know each other that well. I've got to argue with you on that one. I think it will do the opposite. I think it will free us from our inhibitions because think about let's let's take the the virtual world example, right? Let's say that I can go on to I don't know if you've seen the movie Ready Player One yet. I haven't yet, no. Oh, good movie. Steven Spielberg, it's, it's great. But So I won't go too deep into that. But basically the idea is everybody lives in this this virtual world that they like put this this virtual suit on and they live in this thing called the Oasis, right? All of their their living life, their their income, everything is is based on this virtual world. And and in this virtual world, your avatar can be whatever you want it to be. You can change it whenever you want it to be. So my thought is, is that would be more freeing for us because if I can go into this world, be myself, 
and tomorrow come into this world and be a completely different me, I'm now more open to explore my own desires without fear of consequence. Ideally, or are you just more inclined to become this hyperbolized version of your perfect image of yourself? Mm, where whereupon yeah. it becomes impossible for me to determine what you actually desire for yourself because you're projecting a fantasy. But then I guess kind of answer my own question in that if it's a fantasy you'd project maybe you would be projecting exactly what you want because you're more confident. I, I think it would go one of two ways. I think well, I think we'd have a, a split in society personally. I think there would be the the group of people that are projecting this perfect image of themselves, themselves in in the most pristine light, the highest pedestal they can find for themselves. And then there'd be the other end of society that would look for the most degrading, disgusting, terrible things they can do to people. So we'd have, there would be no middle ground in my opinion, because middle ground is where you live when you're afraid of consequence. Sure. I'm afraid of somebody's hurting me or harming me or looking down on me or, or their judgment. That's middle ground. That's where I'm going to live. But when that fear goes away, I, I go to one of the two extremes. Oh, absolutely. I think we all would. I think, yeah, uh, I think so. as much as empathy is, I think, inherent, uh, so is sociopathy. I think there's a maniacal sociopath in all of us that we manage to keep down for the most part. Most of us do. But he's there or she. Absolutely. Um, a very Jekyll and Hyde was a very brilliant uh, metaphor for, for the human condition, I think, in all of us. Oh yeah, no, and and that's why I love the the symbol of the yin yang that that perfectly represents that idea that all of us have within us both sides of that spectrum. Sure, the, the side you choose to to follow, I think, is the interpretation of the rule that you were given growing up. Definitely. So, I, really, I guess that means again, it takes me back to the the interpretation is the flaw the interpreter i guess is the one who's flawed because it it all comes down to how you want to interpret that because really the way you apply that rule in your everyday life speaks volumes about where you would fall in that spectrum yeah so it's it's really up to us it's not a flaw in the rule so much as our ourselves it's it's up to us to determine what we're going to do with that rule and how we're how we're going to apply it and again it's every circumstance but it's I hate to use a, a Star Trek metaphor, but I think, or Star Wars, I guess it would be where you, each decision you get a little darker. You know, you, you've got the option to go toward the light or the dark. And, and what, once you make that choice, there's no going back. You're headed in that direction then. I, I think maybe you were right, right from the beginning that it's a, it really is kind of a negative rule, or at least it forces us to face a lot of negativity before we decide what we're going to do. I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think it forces us to to look within and see which side of the rule or which side of the interpretation of the rule we want to fall on. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to contradict myself, but I think in that sense, it's it's almost perfect just the way it is because it it forces you to look within. And I love anything that forces you to look within. As do I. And I think it's we both kind of contradicted ourselves uh, in the in the process, but I guess that that's the beauty of it. I didn't put this much value in it, to be honest. Um, it's always been kind of a childish rule in my mind. Yeah, me too. I, I, although I firmly adhere to the best of it, I, I like to apply it every day, and not so much just the golden rule. But I 
I don't do it obnoxiously, but I do go out of my way to try and be nice to everyone I encounter. Don't, no matter what. It's contagious and it's really fun. And you'd be amazed how different your day is if you're just nice. That's the way I try to apply it in, in my life is just be kind. Uh, obviously, there's circumstances where you can't, but for, generally, for the most part, you can avoid a lot of conflict and it's, it's on you to do that. And if we all did it just in the simplest of ways, it, the day gets so much brighter. In, in all fairness, I grew up outside of Toronto. I, I grew up in Buffalo. Right. So I, I've met quite a few Canadians. And I think Canadians are just inherently kind and giving. At least the ones I've always met at hockey games sure. are, are inherently kind and giving and have this almost like it's this DNA strand in them that, that says that kindness is the way to live. I don't, I don't know any other way to put it. I've never in my life met a Canadian that in, at least at a hockey game, again, these, these were all hockey fans I met. Sure. Well, you, you haven't been to too many Canucks games recently. <laughs> I haven't been to Canucks games. <laughs> I went to, to Maple Leaf games, but even when Maple Leafs and the Sabres would play two rivalries at the, at the end of the game, you're looking at your, your Toronto fan and, and you guys are, Hey, that was a good game, no matter who won. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's no ill will, no matter how hard you want to hate that Canadian, because Toronto beat you, and they destroyed you, and Ty Domi beat that crap out of Rob Ray. I'm, I'm aging myself now, <laughs> but right, you, you just you can't because at the end of the game, you know, if you walked outside and didn't have your coat, that Toronto fan would go, "Here, man, you can you can use my coat. I know you're cold. I'll, I'll be all right. I'm from Canada." Yeah. And you'll never find a Canadian who can explain really where that comes from. I don't think I, I know. I certainly can't. It's just the way it is. But it, yeah. it, if you look at it in a, in a really sort of a sad sense in Canada, we've had 15 mass shootings since 1885. Wow. And in the, in, in the U S you've had 252 this year. Yep. So whatever we're doing, I think it works. I, I have to agree with that. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I've, I've told my wife because she grew up in the South, has always been in the South. She's never met anybody in Canada. I told her we're going to have to go up and visit the falls and you're going to have to go up in Canada because she, she never believes me when I tell her that that's really, that's just the way they are. There's something ingrained in there. I don't get it. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think everybody should take a, a page out of, out of that book and try to apply it. It's... In my opinion, it's the easiest thing in the world. It really is. There's a, a great quote that me and my, my co-host on my podcast subscribe to, and it's, it's just a simple question. Do you know what happens when you get offended by something? Nothing. Nothing happens. You're offended, and then it's up to you what happens then. Realistically, nothing happens. If you can just let it go, there's, there's no consequence. There's no issue. It's, you, you can just be, choose to be that guy. You avoid just all sorts of conflicts in your everyday life. A guy cuts you off in traffic. I get so what? Really? There's no, you know, and, and these little things that we, we trump up to be in positions in our day that really aren't no one, someone doesn't hold the door for you. You miss an elevator, you lose a parking spot. Really? What, what happens? Absolutely nothing. I think that goes back to the rule and we would want others to be forgiving of us when we make those mistakes or have those flaws. Sure. So I think what I'm trying to say is before you even need the rule, I think put yourself in a position where you don't need the rule. Just avoid doing unto others anything if possible. If you can just 
skate through your day without doing anything to anyone for better or worse. Just do you and be okay and hope everyone else is as well. If you're all on the same page, it'll be a really harmonious day for everyone. I would have to agree with that. So I believe, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe our conclusion then is A, try to live your life where it doesn't even apply to you. You don't even need this rule optimally. Sure. And B, use it for the introspective gift, we'll call it, that it is, where apply it to your life in a way that best suits you and your upbringing and your background. And I think that works. I, it does work. It I think it does, but everyone has to see it that way before it'll work as universally as we'd like it to. Sure. But I came into this conversation with a hugely different opinion than I'm leaving it with. So uh, it's not difficult. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, me too. I I had a a totally, it was a messed up. There was, it was an awful thing that we all need to get rid of. And I got to say, I'm, I'm changed. I think it's, it's almost perfect in its ability to cause us to be introspective and to look at our own selves. I love that. I think it's beautiful. I hope uh, we like what we see when we do. I hope so too. Yeah. I think that's the other big end of that conversation, but I don't want to dive into that too much. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, very much so. Before we part ways though, I do want to give you a chance. I know you said you have a podcast, so I want to give you a chance to share with everybody where they can find you, what that show is, all of that great stuff. You can find us just about anywhere you enjoy your podcasts. We're all over everywhere. Um, We are Eric and Gord. What if we're right? And it's just a look at the political situation in in both of our countries and how we relate to each other and and how we need each other uh, moving forward. And Gordon and I have a lot of answers and uh, we're just trying to get people to think just, just as you are. Try to get people to think maybe a little bit differently and see what comes of it because the status quo clearly isn't working for us. Yeah. Eric and Gord, what if we're right? We do four episodes a week. So it's a massive undertaking, but wow, so yeah. is trying to trying to make sense of politics is a 24-7 job. So Yeah, God bless you. I don't even attempt to do that. <laughs> well, it, it makes no sense at the moment, but yeah, it's a it's a good podcast. It's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out. I haven't I hate to admit this on while we're recording, but I have not checked it out yet. But it sounds very interesting and I think I'm gonna have to tomorrow. Oh well, thank you. Um, and don't, I mean, there's, I think by last count, there was about 700,000 of us. So we're not all going to cross paths as much as we'd like to. True enough. Well, uh, Eric, I do appreciate you coming on. And honestly, I can say this for probably the first time I've, since I've been recording this show is you helped me completely change my view on a subject. (laughs) That's excellent. That I will take that as a fantastic compliment. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah, me too. It was it was wonderful. All right. Well, enjoy your evening. And again, if anybody out there wants to yell and scream at me or contradict what I have to say or tell me I'm an idiot, you can certainly do that. Find me on the website. Let me know. Thanks all. Okay, so there it is. Is it philosophy? Go to our website at www.isitphilosophy.com and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook as well. Help us grow by going onto iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe. And take a moment and leave a review. Until next time, question everything, seek your truth, and don't be afraid to speak your truth.